y'all for letting me be here today. Um, I, I am just so grateful for Delia's friendship. She's such a sister in Jesus to me. As she said, we uh, met in seminary, and then she and Tim met and got married, and my husband and I did also, but it's such a blessing to know um, that I've got somebody here from wherever I am in the world, because I am involved in, in uh, missions, and so I'm overseas a lot. But um, uh, I just want you to know, too, she is thrilled to be at Martha Bowman, and was so excited um, that the Lord has put them here, and uh, y'all are very precious to her, so I thank you for being that to my friend. And I'm thankful to be able to always share about Jesus. I'm so grateful. And uh, I just want to quickly say, I know it's you and Debbie at Sunday. I think how um, appropriate that is because I remember when my mother was in WSCS when I was a little girl. You and Debbie was called WSCS. But the, the purpose, the whole purpose, is um, for mission-minded ladies in, in our church to want to make a difference. So today what I want to talk about is um, that one of us, just one of us, can make a difference. And Jesus wants each one of our hearts. The scripture that I want to share is from 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. Now, it's over there in Chronicles, and that kind of is almost a boring book to a lot of us in the Old Testament. And I think some of us, because it's hard to understand a lot of the words, the names that people are, you know, because it says, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat. So it's a genealogy. That's what it is. It's a chronology. And um, so we might just think, well, we're going to skip over that. But don't skip over it, because there are incredible promises from God there. And this is one of them. Here's what it says in um, verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord move back and forth throughout the whole earth that he might strongly support those whose hearts are pure toward him. There it is. So what it's saying there is that Jesus is up there. It's like God up in heaven, even though he's here with us now. But I pretend that he's up in heaven with binoculars and going back and forth all over the whole earth. You know what? In my Bible, I actually keep. Oh, and you know what? I took it out over there because I didn't want everything to fall out of my Bible. But I actually keep a map of the world and um, to pray uh, for the world. And I, and I just sort of pretend that God is looking down with binoculars and looking continent to continent. And then he comes country to country. And then he comes to North America and into the United States, then into Georgia and right here in Macon and in this sanctuary, even right now today. And he says, I'm looking for just one, just one person whose heart is totally mine, man or woman. And then he says, if I can find that person, I will fight for them. I'll be strong for them. And um, so, all throughout the Word, it's not just that verse, but all throughout the Bible, God says that He's looking for somebody to help Him carry the burden of a lost world. And if He can find that person or that church, then the other person's circumstances will be different. Whether they're our neighbors right across the road from us or somebody far, far, far away on the other side of the globe, because people need Him. So there is potential for one person who walks with God, for the whole world to be different. Now, I'm told that, that Tim has been preaching on about unsung heroes, some, some ones, some of those one people that are making a difference. This morning, I just want to share with you just some personal testimony of how I began to understand what it is that Jesus is really looking for when that verse says that he wants somebody with a pure heart, somebody that's really seeking after him. Um, I had to give you a little bit of background for me. I grew up a couple of hours north of here in Carroll County, over so the northwestern side of the, the state, and uh, I grew up on a dairy farm. My family was farmers. So I was out in the country, and I was not in a big, pretty Methodist church facility like you have here at Martha Bellman. It's, it's very pretty to me, but it's a very small, rural Methodist church. So I'm very, very thankful for my upbringing with godly parents. Um, then when I was 12, I asked Jesus in my heart and was baptized in the church. So I don't remember not being a part of the church. I'm so thankful for that. 
But you know, then as a teenager, through high school and even through college, as I, I wanted to grow, so I would go off to all our church retreats, like I'm sure you, you hear it do, um, and um, with, with just in my personal devotions, read my Bible. I really wanted to grow. But then I began to get a little convicted when I read the Word of God. Because here we are in church, just like we are this morning, and we're singing and praising God, and I'm reading and singing the words that we sang out of the hymn book or off the screen. Um, but I, as I, would, I would just think, I'm singing that, but do I really mean it? So I'll read my Bible, too, and I'll be reading somewhere example. When Jesus is hanging on the cross, and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I started, I got convicted because I thought, I don't forgive people the way Jesus did. Like that. Because I thought, even though I'm nice to you on the outside, you know, it could be that you, I would never say this to you, but maybe you did something to offend me somewhere, so I held a grudge against you. And I knew that was really in my heart. I thought, only God knows that, but he knows it. So my heart's not really totally clean because I kept reading too where you would say to love him with all your heart and mind and soul and to have that clean heart. And I, just, I knew that it wasn't real. So I was really searching. Just continue, continue to search. Well, I was so, so, so thankful. Um, well, not that this happened, but this is some background that happened. I, I'm an athlete, and so I was um, playing um, softball. And we actually were a good team, and we had made it all the way to the championship, and this was the championship game for women's softball. I mean, it would have been like the World Series of women's baseball. It was a big deal. So I'm assuming most of y'all know baseball, but I need to tell you quickly kind of what I did. Otherwise, it makes me look stupid. So I have to tell you sort of the scenario. Okay, it is the championship game, and it is the bottom of the ninth inning. Okay, end of the game. My team is winning. We are up by one run. Just one. So, and we have two outs on the other team. So what does that mean? Yeah, just one more out, and we win everything. But here's the complication. There are runners on not just third base, but second. Runners on second and third, two outs, okay, and, and this is Fred, but we've only got, we're only one run ahead. Okay, you with me? So, so it's really important to get one more out, right, and win everything. If the ball hits the ground and gets to the infield, or, if, you know, it's any kind of a hit, we're going to lose, right? Because you know the runners are running. Okay, so that's the scenario. All right, so the ball's thrown. By the time the ball crosses the plate, the third base runner is, you know, basically there crossing. So it's, it's do or die. And so she swings, and instead of striking out or hitting a pop fly or whatever, it would be really, really easy. No, she hits a line drive, and it's just a rocket, a beautiful hit. Just incredible. So it's, the, the ball is just like a bullet headed to the ground. And so I ran to dive in for the ball. Didn't think I had a chance for the ball. Dove in, sort of like sliding into first. I, I landed on my chest, stomach, legs, just straight in like this. Just hoping. I, I'm laying on the ground. My glove is just barely a little bit above. And guess what? The good news is I caught the ball. <laughs> and we won. And it was a big deal. I mean, it was just, you know, just, it, it shouldn't have been there, but it was there. <laughs> so that's it. That's the good part. The bad part is that when I hit the ground, I hit on the front. Flat on the front. But when I hit for some reason that no medical doctor or specialist anywhere could figure out why this happened. I landed on my front. But when I did, it ripped everything away from the bone in my back. And I was paralyzed. Yeah, oh my head. All the way. Completely. I could talk. And nothing changed from that moment for 18 months. Nothing. And I was never, ever, ever supposed to be able to move again. Ever. To walk. To ever have children. Nothing. It, just, it was just a horrible, horrible time. All the specials, nobody could do anything. And I could tell you more, but I got hurt for the story. But anyway, so it was just an awful, awful time. You get on an athlete, but they just said your life is gone. I mean, you'll never be able to walk, you know, but certainly not get married or have children. 
physically I wouldn't be able to. I was laying flat on the floor all the time. Somebody had to stay with me all the time, just, just humiliating. They'd stick a bedpan under me um, and try to feed me. You know, I'm laying there. They'd try to put just like a straw kind of thing over there. Um, I want to be real careful because I don't know what kind of ears are in this little ears in here, but, but I'll just, let me see, you'll know what I mean. I, the inside of my body as a girl never worked any of that time. So all that stopped. Um, which, which in a way was a blessing because the bedpan was already nasty enough, you know, but, but that meant that my internal organs were in wrong places and so nothing was, was going to function. So that was what was happening physically. But guess what Jesus did? Remember, I've been hungry spiritually. Well, in my little Methodist church, June, it came June and move time. And so um, uh, we had a student pastor because it was not full time salary. It was just a tiny little Methodist church. But for the first time in my life, instead of a student, we got a retired preacher and his wife. And they were very old to me. I mean, much older than me. They had been my grandparents. Um, and, but they were just so precious and had moved not long, far from me. So they came to visit. The point is, he comes in and asks what has happened. And I looked up and I said, honest to you, the truth, I'm miserable. And this precious older man looked down at me. I said I'm miserable. Okay, get it? That's a negative thing. So he does this big smile like this and looks down at me and says, oh, that's good. <laughs> so I thought either he's kind of senile or he's hard of hearing or both or whatever. What is happening here? And I said, no, sir, I'm miserable. He said, oh, Joy, that's good. Because Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And he said, I know you're hungry and Jesus can fill you. He said, God says that if you search for me with all your heart, you'll find me. That makes sense? I said, well, how does that happen? He said, oh, it's easy. You just have to surrender everything to Jesus. You know, we sing about that, don't we? About surrendering all. So, do you know what I did? I'm embarrassed, but I lied to him. I didn't know I was lying, but I said, but I've done that. Because I thought that's what happened when I, what happened when I was 12, when I asked Jesus in my heart and was um, baptized. And uh, he knew that wasn't really the truth. So, he was so humble and so precious. And he would come day after day and sit there beside me because I'm laying there, can't move, and he would share with me. I said, I want to know. I said, but you've got to prove it to me, and then I'll believe it. I said, I know I'm a skeptic. I, I can't imagine feeling different in my heart, feeling forgiveness, feeling real love for God and real deep peace in my heart. So he faithfully came, and he expounded Scripture like I'm sure your pastor Tim does, but I had never heard it before. Explain to me what it means to be saved, praise God, that's wonderful. But he said, you don't have to wait until you die in heaven to get peace. The Bible is true. We can have peace right here on earth. And he started talking about what we believe is, Wesley, a second work of grace, being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. See, at that time for me, I just thought, well, I'd heard about the gifts of the Spirit and those things that people were kind of making a big deal out of. And that's important. God gives different gifts. But I said, I want something even better than anything on the outside. I need in my heart God to change my heart. And, um, and he explained so sweetly to me how if we ask God to cleanse our heart by faith, then we're kind of empty of ourselves, but it's got to be all the way, so that then he can fill us with himself, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all the fruit of the Spirit that you learn in vacation Bible school or Sunday school. So, so that's what I really, really wanted. And I just can tell you, I'm not just, it's a long story, but I remember the turning point for me is that one day, <laughs> he said, Joy, I'll tell you what your problem is. I said, yes, sir, what? He said, you're just double-minded. And I thought, I didn't know what that meant, but I didn't think it was a compliment. Like, it sounded like a negative thing. <laughs> I thought it was an insult. I thought, I don't know what that means. And he said, he takes me over to James. He said, a double-minded man or woman is unstable in all their ways. They're up and down, just going by the way.
like you've got one foot over here with Jesus, but you've got one foot in the world, and you're still making your own decisions, and you're straddling the fence, and that's why it hurts. That's why it's painful. So, the, the bottom line of all that is, the reality, the best thing that happened to me is what did happen in my heart. When I did mean it with all my heart, I realized that day, that those months before, that I had just sort of told him things like, um, maybe I've given Jesus 95 or 96%, but I kept back 1 or 2%. I had not completely sold out to Jesus. Not all the way, because it was all about me. And so, um, July 16th is a glorious day for me, because even though I physically couldn't move, that's the day that I really did surrender to Jesus. And then I believe that it's because of that that maybe Jesus can use me and you in other situations now, because it didn't matter anymore. I wanted my heart clean. But with that, when my heart was clean, then I really meant it when I could say I love him and I really give him the glory. Because I don't want people to pat me on the back and say I'm good. It's Jesus that's good. So that was happening, but I couldn't move. I'm still on the floor, but I'm just so... That, that's the best part of the story. That's what Jesus did in my heart. Because that's what he wants to do for all of us. So that's, I could really stop right here. But I'll let you... Sit. Oh, i got to hurry. I do have to hurry. Sorry. Okay, so so um, two weeks later, after that day, exactly two weeks later, I met a man from South Georgia Conference. Some of you may know him or knew him. He's in heaven now. His name was Tom Barrett. I've never heard of him before. He's a pastor in the South Georgia Conference. He pastored in Macon for um, some years. Anyway, somebody introduced me to him. I mean, he came, and the end of all that is he looked down at me and said, Well, have you ever asked God to heal you? Well, that was, you know, kind of radical. And to be really, really honest, I've thought about the things you see on television and wonder if it's real or not. I think I've never known anybody who was really healed. I do say that I believe Jesus did it in the Bible, but, you know, I don't know that I've seen it or really known that. Very quickly, before I really could respond to him, Here's what this precious man said. He said, honey, I don't understand healing. He said, I don't understand why some people are healed and some are not. And I don't understand why sometimes we pray at church for somebody. Maybe they're really sick and maybe they die. After we prayed, he said, I don't understand that. But he said, I just know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says that. And he said, I, and of course he gave some examples of healing in the New Testament. But he said, I just know over in James, he says to call on the elders and pray. And I want me to know I'm willing to ask for you. It's just available. So the real bottom line of that is we talked for a long time. And I said, yes, sir, I want you to pray. He uh, was so humble, he just began to talk to Jesus like I'm talking to you. I can't tell you what he said. I don't know. And, and I didn't have faith. I mean, I can't say that I was expecting anything to happen. When he, when he was talking to me, I was thinking of all the times that I could watch people sit in the chair, and I can't do that anymore. I thought I was a big runner. I thought of running down the road. I thought, I'll never get to do that again. I thought of as a little girl, you walk down the aisle, or you dream of walking down the aisle and getting married someday. I'll never get to do that. I thought about, you know, holding my baby dolls and pretending that you're nursing a baby or feeding them a bottle and thinking, you know, if you want to do that as a little girl, I'll never get to do that. It was just a hard time for me. So I, that's what was in my mind. But this precious man was praying, and somewhere in the prayer, I can't tell you, I, I'm just telling you, somewhere, some instant, the pain was gone. But I didn't know what to even think. It was like I was outside the room. It was surreal. And, but it was like numb. Just numb. When he finished praying, and I don't know what he said, but after the prayer, he said, um, well, did anything happen? And I said, I don't know. He said, well, can you? Because I, I didn't know. I just And I began to cry. I, just, I, I really thought I was dreaming or something. Then he said, well, can you move anything? And so I don't know why. I think that now I thought, why didn't I just like try to wiggle my toes or something? Because nothing had worked, you know? But I jumped up and I did jumping jacks and I ran in place and I did back bend. I did all the things I used to do. Right then, Jesus healed me. 